This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers, publishers of children's books for all readers. Our mission is to ignite a universal passion for reading by creating books for everyone. Visit penguinrandomhouse.com. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, See How you doing, girl? I am doing pretty good today. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I just finished a workout. Um, so, you know, there you go. Always, that's always a good thing, you know what I'm saying? Let's, let, let, let's make work at, working out vicarious, that you can work out and just spread <laughs> the workout energies amongst the people. <laughs> listen, 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 I have a, a running joke, but that's not a joke, is that the way I'm getting over in 2021 is Jesus and my my, my workouts, my Black Peloton group that I'm in. These are the ways I'm overcoming in 2021. Hey, we are we just we all need to have something i recommend all everybody have a list of what they're of what they're going to because it is it's hard out here in these emotional streets right it's it's a lot we've been a a panini a parallelogram uh, a penelope a pandemic for a really long time um and yeah so people are tired on top of tired so i hear that make sure you make sure you uh you get your practices in order to take good care of yourself Listen, this is how we going to overcome. All right. By the blood of the lamb, the word of testimony, and a little exercise. All right. And, so- <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and brunch in a safe way. And All right. Okay. And a little <laughs> laughter. A little laughter. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so- <laughs> Absolutely. Well, see, I'm super excited about this episode. And I know I say this for all episodes, but for real, for real. And, uh, and, and you do. <laughs> and you mean it, though. It's sincere. You can say the same thing as long as you're sincere. You mean I do mean it. I'm really excited because I, first of all, we're back in our we gonna learn today. Y'all, we ain't yes. forgot. We ain't forgot. Um, I'm I'm really excited about the topic on the table. And it is the black homeschooling movement. And yes. we are gonna learn from Dr. Cheryl Field Smith, y'all. And I am really excited to learn. Like I, this is one subject I don't really know a lot about. And so I am excited to learn from Dr. Cheryl. Welcome to the table, Dr. Cheryl. How you doing? I am doing well and really excited to be here as well. Thank you. Yeah, we are so glad that you're here. And y'all, just in case you don't know who yes, Dr. Yes. Yeah, you know I'm going, you know I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to tell you who Dr. Cheryl Field Smith is, okay? Dr. Field Smith is an associate professor of elementary education at the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. She earned her doctorate from Emory University in 2004. Her research interests include family engagement and homeschooling among black families. Her book titled Exploring Single Mothers Resistance Through Homeschooling won the 2020 AESA Critics Choice Award, okay? Dr. Fieldsmith is co-founder of Black Family Home Educators and Scholars, LLC, a space where Black home educators and scholars gather to set a research agenda and support one another in the effort of educating Black children with excellence. Welcome to the table, Dr. Cheryl Fieldsmith. Oh my goodness. Um, I just, I love this because this this right here reminds me of the the, um, the foremothers that we here at Truth Table um, esteem and call on, like Mariah Stewart, you know, uh, or even like a Nanny Helen Burroughs. And so I just, I love the whole spirit of this right now. And so I'm wondering, Dr. Cheryl, can you talk to us about, um, you know, what 
is homeschooling and what uh, is Black homeschooling? How does it differ? I'm, I'm curious to learn about that from you. Sure. Homeschooling in general is when parents assume full control of their children's education. Um, today, there are many, many formats. It's not just mom or dad sitting at the kitchen table. It can be a co-op. Um, we can call them learning pods. There's many, many formats um, to do it, but it's basically when you, as a parent, decide that you are going to make all of the decisions for your child's education. And it doesn't mean, you know, you can, home educators today are um, outsourcing to various entities to do some of the, the schooling for their children, but that's the decision that the parent makes. Um, are the child. Sometimes the child is also making those decisions. But um, so as opposed to relying on a public or private um, traditional school. Mm. And when Black parents do it, what I've learned is it's, it's different um, in so many ways. When you think about the statistics that you hear in traditional schools, public and private, for example, discipline disproportionality, Mm. is a huge issue in Black education, the school-to-prison pipeline, um, Mm -hmm. which research has shown us it begins as early as pre-K for Black children. Um, Some of the studies say that Black children are three to four times more likely to be suspended or expelled, even in pre-K, more than their peers that are white. Mm. Um, Black and brown children, I should say, And so when I think about the homeschooling of Black children, when I talk to the parents, a lot of the times you get the human side of what it's like to experience discipline, disproportionality from a parent's point of view. Mm -hmm. What is it like when the school is constantly suspending your child or labeling your child as a troublemaker and you try to advocate with the school? And so homeschooling to me is, I, in my research, I have conceptualized it as a reprioritizing of what Bell Hooks called home place. Mm. So if anybody's not familiar with Bell Hooks' conception of home place, she wrote about it um, as historically what Black parents, mothers specifically, were doing in the house during the Jim Crow era. You have to imagine, if you have to send your child out into a world that has black water fountains, white water fountains, black this, white this, well, when it, how do you face that discrimination, that oppression, and the trauma that it, 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 when you're told you're less than and treated more inferior to compared to others? Um, and so what she writes about is home was this place where you went to be nurtured, not just nourished by food, but your soul got nourished, your um, spirit got nourished, your your self-identity as a Black person got nourished. So you saw the positiveness of being Black so that you could go back out. You know, you're edified so that you can go back out into that world and when you're told something different. Mm-hmm. And so Black homeschooling, People choose to homeschool 
so that we get away from labels like troublemaker. We get right. away from um, people trying to tell us that our children need to be on um, some medication because they're too hyper. Mm-hmm. Um, you get away mm-hmm. from someone saying um, you can't, your child is not um, qualified for gifted education, even if they missed it by a half a point. Wow. Um, you get to overcome those kinds of oppressions that happen in schools structurally. The institution of school has a way of weeding us out and keeping us from getting quality education. And some of us get in, I'm not saying all, but you know what I mean, by and large, um, access to um, advanced placement courses, dual enrollment, all of the things that can make schooling really wonderful. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, many times our children don't have access to that. Um, The other thing is the schooling itself wasn't intended for us. Um, You can see that in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If you only send your child to school and don't teach them anything else about um, African-American history, your child is going to think that African-American history began with slavery and it ended with MLK. And and that's sad because there's so much more before that and there's so much more after. Um, Not to put anything down on Martin Luther King, but I mean, there's so much more to learn about us. And um, so I always say when I'm talking to people, even if you don't decide to homeschool, you can't leave your education up to your traditional school, whether it's public or private. You need to be teaching your child your family history. Um, You need to be teaching your child your local community history and Black community, Black history globally, right? Mm, What have we done to contribute to this world? Um, Because they're not going to get it in a traditional school, typically. Mm. So that's the difference. It's a a form of resisting... um, the negative aspects of schooling for Black people. Powerful. Absolutely. Dr. Cheryl, I'm so thankful for that really thorough and um, comprehensive introduction for us. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious about how you you got into this topic of research. What's your kind of personal connection, your story uh, to African-American homeschooling? So I... You know, I'm I'm a woman of faith, and I I honestly believe God um, led me here to mm. this point. Um, and there's very few spaces where I can actually say that. But so I'm grateful to yeah. be here for that <laughs> to be able to say that. But um, at Emory, I was um, I did a dissertation on African American parents' perspectives of their engagement in their children's education. What mm-hmm. what do they do and why? Because, and the reason I did that is because there was literature out there that suggested we aren't interested in our children's education. We're not as engaged. And I knew that was not true. Um, and so I wanted to replicate my study when I became um, a faculty member at the University of Georgia. I had five elementary schools And most of my parents were in their 40s and 50s, and they were highly engaged. Most of them were on the executive board and all of that. And I, so when I became a professor at the University of Georgia, I, you know, I have to do research. And so I asked them if they knew any parents that were younger. So I wanted to see what 20 and 30 year old parents Mm -hmm. in those same schools um, did and if their beliefs differed from the older parents. 
And the older parents didn't know the younger parents in the same schools that they attended. And that was amazing to me. That was, you know, that you could be in the same school and are, we are um, stratified just, you know, we don't know the parents that are younger. And these Mm -hmm. were schools, some, most of the schools were majority black Brown schools. And so we're not traveling in the same circles by age. Right. Right. And, but then somebody referred me to a 32-year-old mother who was homeschooling wow. her children. And I said, we homeschool? Why would we do that? <laughs> right, <laughs> I had right. no clue. <laughs> and so I, I um, it went to interview her, and it was a four-hour interview. I'm so mm. grateful for her graciousness of time. Um, and then at the end, I asked her if she knew any other black families that were homeschooling. And she said, mm-hmm. oh, yes. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, OK, I got to go get some money. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a I got a Spencer Foundation grant um, to do a two year study on black homeschooling. Most of my participants were in the metropolitan area of mm-hmm. um, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just amazed absolutely amazed. And this was um, back in 2006. So it's 2006 to 2008. Mm -hmm. And it has really evolved since that time. Um, And I've, I've really enjoyed evolving with it, if you will, and deepening my understanding of why black parents do this. Um, And there was, I, I write about in my book, there was a phase where, I was, um, what's the word? Mm-hmm. I was conflicted because mm-hmm. my day job, if you will, is to teach teachers. I teach elementary school teachers how to teach and mm-hmm. um, people who want to be professors one day, I teach them. And mm-hmm. we're always thinking about public institutions, traditional yeah. public institutions in that context. And so here I am doing this research, which seems... Um, to, to, you know, be in conflict with um, what I do as a professor in the, um, you know, in the teacher education program. Yeah. But it, it took, and it took me time to really, you know, really get on my knees and think about like, why, Lord, why do you want me to do this? Mm-hmm. And one of the things is, first of all, nobody else is doing it. There was no one else doing it. Mm. Um, when I published that first piece in 2009, it was the first um, empirically based publication that focused entirely on Black homeschoolers right. instead of comparing us to white people. I mean, come on. And I don't want to do that because what I find is there's so much diversity that exists within African-American homeschoolers. So I can spend the rest of my life just thinking out and trying to understand that diversity. I don't want to compare. And the other thing is when we compare, there's this false um, myth that, you know, white middle class is the measuring stick. No, that's not our measuring stick. Um, Somebody needed to tell our story. And when I was at Emory, I was under um, Vanessa, Dr. Vanessa Siddle Walker, mm-hmm. who just, oh my goodness, she, her book, Their Highest Potential, mm. changes the narrative on what we think about those segregated black schools. 
Um, I know that if you go to a traditional school, public school, you're taught that the segregated black schools were schools that were inferior, but her work documents, no, No. these were schools that were schools of excellence. And the Mm -hmm. way I make people understand quickly is these are the schools that educated Martin Luther King, um, Jesse Jackson, Ralph D. Abernathy, like all of our Mm -hmm. civil rights leaders came from those schools. How could they be inferior? Absolutely. So... Sitting under her, you know, under her guidance, I began to also see that what Black people are doing today in homeschooling their children is an extension of our cultural heritage of seeking excellence in schooling Mm. and self-determination and self-agency. And when I say self, I mean collective self. Come on. Like we're not individualistic by nature. And so we reach out and each one, teach one, reach one. We're living that out today in this Black homeschooling movement um, in a variety of creative ways. And that's what's so beautiful. I mean, I I will spend the rest of my life documenting it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I mean, Cheryl, this is just, whoo, you can't see me um, and I ain't moving, but I, I am shouting in my spirit. I, I am, I am, I am running around the church in my house, in, in my spirit. So, I just can't knock on the mic. <laughs> no, yeah, that's exactly what keeps me going. Yes. I just, I feel like, I feel like it's God ordained. Tell the story. You don't need to rely on these public schools. Now, yeah. let me tell you this though. Mm. Every single home educator that I have interviewed, and at this point, it's been over 80. I, I have lost track. Okay. But um, every one of them have expressed, yes, we're angry at these schools. They're not working for our right. particular kids. Right. However, we want them to succeed. Mm. We're, we, want, we understand that the way schooling is done today, the focus on the test, the focus on on, on um standards instead of teaching our children holistically caring for them holistically caring for their cultural self as identities like we we understand that that's been pushed out of the school right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's what my child needs and so i can and i am doing it on my own but it's not like we hate the public schools now every now and then you will find an african-american home educator that will say they're anti-government but but out of out of the eighty some odd, that's so rare for me to um, come across. Um, it's mostly that you know these schools aren't working for our kids, and how long do you want? You know, should we wait? And you can see it in their stories. They they will often try two, three, four different traditional schools before finally deciding. Yeah, the homeschool. They don't. So this is not their their typically their first choice, right? Oh, oh, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, this is, yeah. you know, um, Dr. Cheryl, I'm curious, you know, you've brought, you raised so many good points that I'm like, I want to ask so many questions about this. And I'm like, <laughs> should I go to commercial break or should I wait? But you know, what? I'm gonna ask and then we can go to commercial break because okay. I want to I wanna hear from you on this because um, I don't want to lose it. But I'm wondering, you, you know, you, you mentioned, you left it up just the, um, the, well, the spirit of homeschooling, right? Um, each one teach one, you know, lifting as we climb. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's mm-hmm. power and reclamation and I think we have to reclaim those edicts right back into our, our community. Oh, I think too. black homeschooling from 
from what I'm gathering does that step one. Mm -hmm. Two, you talked about the diversity, right? Within mm -hmm. blackness, period. Right. Um, and so right. I'm, I'm curious. About, and then also just the, the nuance of, um, of um, black homeschoolers not necessarily being anti-public school education, right? Mm -hmm. Although they don't like what's been done, right, to their right. children that were in the <laughs> right. system, but they're not necessarily against that, almost as if they they understand, and may, you can correct me, this is where my question is heading, that they understand that there are there there are students, Black students, for whom homeschooling is not an option. It can't work for whatever their family dynamics are or whatever they have going on. That's not a viable option for them, but public schooling is. And so they do want them to still succeed in those spaces. I'm curious just about even just the diversity within Black homeschooling that you alluded to. What does that look like from um, a class analysis socioeconomic, right? Mm -hmm. You know, are these rich black families okay. are these middle class you know black families mm -hmm. or you know and what are these african families are these caribbean are these african-american <laughs> wait you know just can you talk to us about the diversity um yeah. within black homeschooling and maybe even what some of the reasons why uh, okay. these uh, uh um why they decided to go the ho black homeschooling route Right. Um, so with the diversity, it's everything that you mentioned. I was surprised in my original study that I had only four out of, there was 46 families in that study, and only four of them had parents that had an advanced degree, like a law degree wow. or a medical degree, or like me, a PhD. Um, only four that the majority of them had either some college or an undergraduate degree, and many of them were in poverty. Um, mm -hmm. I had a mother who I feature in my book, um, single parent living in the projects, if you will, mm -hmm. homeschooling her children. Wow. Now, she had a master's degree. She was out of work. Mm -hmm. Um and she happened to be one who chose to homeschool from birth. So she was married at one time, living in the Atlanta area, but became divorced, got divorced, mm -hmm. and could no longer afford to live in the Atlanta area. Okay. So she had to move out about an hour outside of Atlanta to a rural community where she had a friend. And she ended up getting a place that was in a low-income housing development and her um, work was tied to construction, and the construction market had failed. There were nobody was hiring, and so this is a woman who started off with a husband, wanted to continue homeschooling because she homeschooled from birth, um, and the only way she could do it when she lost her job and and got divorced was to be out in a rural community. Um, and she would barter and trade her tutoring services so that her sons, she had three sons, could get um, access to things like becoming a carpenter or becoming an electrician. So they could learn a trade and always have be able to work with their hands so they would never be in a position that she was in where mm -hmm. she had this schooling. But because the market was... Um, right had fallen, she needed to um, do something different. And so she was tutoring people in her community, um, really wanted the schools to work. And she helped wow. school children um, wow. learn outside of school, but school was not for her kids. Um, diversity also in that you have 
and we don't think about this very often, but you said it, um, we have Black immigrants. So people who represent, um, in my study, I had a woman who was Black, but she was born and raised from in, in, um, in England. Oh, in the okay. UK, okay. Yep. Um, we, I had people who were from various places in the Caribbean. Yep. And there's this um, <clears throat> concept of the of the uh, model minority, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, our elevated minority, where we think that, um, well, not we, mm-hmm. the other folks think <laughs> that, um, right, that Caribbean people and Black people from places other than America are slightly elevated above African-American oh. because they have a better work ethic, that kind of myth. Uh-huh. Um, but what my research shows is that that's not true. They, their children had just as much issue Come on. in school as African-American Listen. students. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Um, so that kind of diversity, diversity in the approach to um, what some of them are unschooling, some of them um, are blending unschooling with more traditional methods. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them infuse um, entrepreneurship yeah, okay. to different degrees in their homeschooling practice. Some of them are religious. Some of them are not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of the new things I'm seeing is it's more and more people who it's not about religion. Um, yeah. It's not at all about religion. Um, many people say, you know, I even if they do have faith, I'm not homeschooling because of my faith. It's not God told me right. to homeschool, right. but because I'm homeschooling, I can infuse faith mm-hmm. in everything, right? Mm-hmm. I can infuse an Afrocentric um, perspective. I can infuse yeah. a global perspective. Mm-hmm. So um, they have different ways in which they do that. And the reasons are many. You can think of them as push. So things that push them out of traditional schools, public and private. Mm-hmm. So that would be um, not not allowing them to have access to giftedness, to gifted education, um, trying to get your child in special ed, special needs, they, and they don't need it. Um, maybe their child is special needs, and the way that public school does it doesn't speak to the strengths of your special needs child. Instead, they they have a way of talking only in deficits mm-hmm. and that drives some people crazy and they decide to pull their child out for that reason. Some of them are in rural communities where there um, is so the whiteness is so much that their child comes home yeah. um, mad about their hair, mad about their skin color. Mm-hmm. And they decide, okay, we need to come out of the school because um, you need to know who you are. Um, because you're not getting that in school. And, you know, I'm talking about little, little, little kids, um, you know, really young in elementary school age and um, preschool, they start, you know, all, you remember the um, the Black Doll experiment with the associated with the Brown versus Board of Ed? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep, absolutely. That kind of thing is still alive. And when you when a, when a parent sees that, those kinds of... Um, ideas coming from their child that the negativity of being black, mm. if you can homeschool, you will, <laughs> right? Because right. Um, yeah. you want to pour something more mm-hmm. positive into your child. And again, that's why I link it to home place, this mm-hmm. idea of edifying mm-hmm. your child. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Wow. Dr. Cheryl, thank you so much for that um, that breakdown. You know, before we, we're going to pause for the cause, y'all. We're going <laughs> we're gonna to pause for a brief commercial break. And when we come back, we will be back at the table with Dr. Cheryl Field Smith talking more about the Black homeschooling movement. Don't go nowhere, y'all. We'll be right back. I can hear change humming in its loudest, proudest song. I don't fear change coming, and so I sing along. In this stirring, much-anticipated picture book, Change Sings, by presidential inaugural poet and activist Amanda Gorman, anything is possible when our voices join together. As a young girl leads a cast of characters on a musical journey, they learn that they have the power to make changes big or small in the world, in their communities, and most importantly, in themselves. With lyrical texts and rhythmic illustrations that build to a dazzling crescendo by number one New York Times bestselling illustrator, Lauren Long, Change Sings is a triumphant call to action for everyone to use their abilities to make a difference. And Truth Table listeners can purchase Change Sings at penguinrandomhouse.com or wherever books are sold. All right, y'all. We are back at the table with Dr. Cheryl Field-Smith talking about the Black homeschooling movement. I hope y'all been taking notes. I hope y'all are just learning a whole bunch. I'm just like, I'm really enjoying. I am enjoying uh, Dr. Cheryl at this here table. And so, uh, so yeah, anyway, see, you go ahead, sister. <laughs> yeah, I, I, ditto to that. I really am learning a lot from you, Dr. Cheryl. And I just so appreciate how you're just... Uh, painting this picture for us, right? And really expressing um, the the variance and complexity within Black homeschoolers that you can't put them all in the same box in terms of their motivations and backgrounds and those pieces. You know, I was thinking about um, how do parents prepare and what have you found in your research about what the preparation looks like? I think there are many people, uh, myself included, there are you know, Black parents who may even teach on the, you know, the collegiate or graduate level in my case, but but the idea of even of teaching even my my first grader, I was like, oh no no no. <laughs> um, so how so so talk a little bit about um, how what you saw from interview your interviews and your work, how people became prepared and gave themselves. You know, certainly they had the love, but also the confidence mm-hmm. um, to step into this role as their as their child's educator. Yeah, that's a really good question. They. Um... So initially, there's a lot of nerves um, because it's an awesome responsibility, as you can imagine, when you assume full control of your um, children's lives. That's why I was so fascinated by the single Mm. parents who were doing this, because certainly um, I'm a single parent and and certainly it would be a whole lot easier just to send your child to school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you homeschool initially, um, first of all, Every person I talked to that made that decision to homeschool, they knew at least one other family that was homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And that gives you this sense of I'm not alone in this world doing it as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then a lot of times they try to mimic what school is and they quickly learn that's a mistake. Because mm-hmm. homeschooling should be different from what school is, because mm-hmm. you're trying to get away from that right. environment. Um, and so they learn to um, partner 
with other people. So for example, if I'm not really good with um, history, then I can find people in the community. And today I can find someone online that will teach the history to my children. Um, and I can do the things that I'm strong at doing. Um, and so that's, that's what's wonderful about doing it today. There are a lot more um, options out there. You can, you know, some homeschool families will link up with a, um, what they call a co-op. Okay. And maybe mm-hmm. the co-op will meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so that's already planned. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that's for you to figure out. And you figure out, you can follow your children's interest. That's the easiest way. And I, and I think this is another reason I identify with home educators. I used to be an elementary school teacher in Connecticut. And I taught in public schools that followed a Bank Street method, which if you look that up, it's based on John Dewey's experiential learning, social, um, emotional learning, and it's constructivism and all of that to say child focus. Mm -hmm. So that's how they teach. They focus on their children first. Usually I did have a a young group of home educators, black home educators um, ask me to come and test their children once. Um, and I said, test them for what? <laughs> and they said, well, we want to know, you know, their learning styles. And I, I went down and had, I went down to their home. Like there was like five families represented. <laughs> and, um, and, and we had like a fireside chat. And I tried to explain to them that as mom, you are the first and primary educator. Mm-hmm. You don't need a test to tell you your children's learning style. Watch them. Pay attention to them. What are they doing? Even as babies, you can begin to see their little personalities coming out and the things that they like and the way they approach things. You just need to be an observer of your child. You don't need a test. Right. right. I didn't work with that group. I don't know what they ended up doing, but I'm not one who's going to issue any kind of a test on a child to find out what's going on. If the child's old enough, I'm going to talk to them. Uh uh (laughs) What do you want to learn about? Uh And, And you can integrate your child's interests into whatever you're following that tells you what they should learn. So sometimes you can check some, some home educators, check their state standards. So if I'm teaching, you know, sixth grade, then I can look at the sixth grade standards and see what it is. And, you know, let's say it's um, something like uh, European history, maybe that, you know, that's it. Well, you know, we can learn European history, but what are you curious about? Which Mm -hmm. part of Europe are you curious about? Mm -hmm. By the way, what were black people doing in Europe during this time period? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and so you can, you can learn, you can work the curriculum to, with your child's interest. That's how I taught. And I don't know any other way. I still teach it with my adult, my uh, teachers that I teach. I, you know, what are you interested in? I'm teaching a course on, um, Issues and trends in education. Now, I I am perfectly capable of setting up a full fifteen week syllabus and with all the things that I think you should learn. But right. you're the ones out there in the in the trenches. 
Yeah. What, what trends and issues are troubling you? Let's study those. Mm. That, that's more interesting. That is. That's a, that's <laughs> and, a better starting point. Yep. Exactly. And mm. believe you me, um, one of my passions is to make sure they know resegregated schools were were, were um, not schools of um, that were inferior. I'm going to weave that in somehow. I, I yes. will get my point across. And parents, when they get confident, they can see where if my child's interested in butterflies, then I can do all kinds of things. We can read. We can write. We can do art through butterflies. We can do science through butterflies. We can do geography through different types of species of butterflies. And, and I can get all of those skills that you need, you know, like identifying the equator mm. and all of that by learning about butterflies, yes. where they travel and how they migrate and why and those kinds of things, you know. So you can always weave in the things that you want your child to learn through their interests. Um, yes. In public schools, we make a huge mistake over and over again. So here in Georgia, for example, um, I think it's somewhere around grade three, they're supposed to learn six Native American tribes, and they're usually the ones associated with Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I watched a teacher introduced this unit and the kids got really excited and they asked, Ooh, 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 can we learn about the Seminoles? And the yeah. teacher says, no, that's not one of our six. Mm. Hello. You just yeah. missed an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Why? First of all, why are the kids interested in Seminoles? You yes. ask them. Yes. And if you ask them, you'll find out it's because they play for a soccer team called the Seminoles and they want to know who it is they're who are they representing on their t-shirts on their uniforms that is the entrance into your unit on native americans get them where they're interested now then you learn about the cree indians and compare it to the seminoles what's different now we're learning, comparing and contrasting we're analyzing i mean my goodness yeah. those are skills they're going to need so I, you know, I, I can't even remember your original question. I'm sorry, but but once they once I think it had had to do with they have to build their confidence because this, here's yeah. the thing. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Very few of us adults walking around today were taught in this manner, yes. right? Yes. So so home educators, black home educators, have to learn to teach in a way that they probably weren't taught, mm -hmm. which is a challenge. That's that's the challenge. Absolutely. And it, and it and the and also learning style. I'm a visual learner. But if I'm if one of my children is an auditory learner, well guess what? Those visuals aren't they've got to learn to use the visuals. But I better make sure I'm doing something with the auditory or if they need movement with their learning. Um one year I had a class that was mostly connect if I can say this word, kinetic learners, they uh -huh, learn through movement. Uh -huh. Yes. And, um, and I'm not that. <laughs> and so I was teaching second grade and I had to um, teach them time. And I had all my usual stuff that I use. I have the stamps where they make their own worksheets. I had the clocks where they can manipulate the hands. None of that helped. And one day I just threw my lesson plan aside and I got 12 students had them hold up the numbers one through 12. I put a child in the middle with a yardstick and a broomstick. 
And I explained what I had them tell me what the broomstick and, you know, make sure they know what they are. And then I said, show me three o'clock, show Mm -hmm. me four o'clock. And then I put it, I made sure every child had a chance to be in the middle and they learned how to tell time. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Sometimes it's just trusting your instinct Mm. on, man, this isn't working. Let me put this down. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again with the same results, right? So if it's not working, do something different. And Black parents, they learn that. They they will hear this um, in our group, Black family, um, home educators and scholars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We we get together and do teach-ins. We have a Facebook group where they're sharing resources. Somebody will post a question and, and you'll get a bunch of homeschool mamas and papas um, you know, sharing ideas and you'll get more ideas on how to answer that question than you probably want, <laughs> but it's good. It's good resources and good information, you know, because you have to, it is trial and error in some ways, you you know, and you have to get comfortable with that. You've got to trust that one bad day isn't going to damage your child. I think that's, right. that's really helpful, Dr. Cheryl, because, um, yeah, I think there's an intimidation factor of just like, oh, how could I do this? I'm not a teacher. This is, you know, and right. so being able to kind of dispel that, um, you know, that, that those fears or even those myths about mm-hmm. uh, what, about our capabilities. Right. That's and right. so, um, right. you know, after just hearing so much of just your own um, expertise, your skill and your wisdom on this subject, I, I know my our sisters at the table, maybe maybe there's somebody that's like, you know, I've thought about this. I've kicked around the idea of homeschooling, mm-hmm. but I don't know. And, and now, now that I've heard Dr. Cheryl, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm really motivated to try to do this, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> like, how do I even attempt or even start? What do I do? Can you talk to the sister at the table that might be, or the brother in the standing room section, um, who is yeah. like, you know what? I, you know, I had thought about this or maybe I hadn't considered it at all, but how do I get started? How does one start, um, get started with black homeschooling? Can you talk to them? Sure. I, I would first suggest um, looking up the state laws okay. for the state that you live in, because every state has different laws. Hmm. Um, some actually don't have very many requirements and, and some do. So you've got to understand legally it's home. So homeschooling is legal in every state, but you need to go to your state website and see what do you have to do? What are you required to do? Um, there's an organization called H S as in Sam L D a homeschool legal defense association. You can go to their website and click on the map. They have a map and you can get to your state's, laws for you. Um, That is an organization that will advocate on your behalf as well, if you ever need them, but you have to join them or something. But Mm -hmm. you can go to their website for free and get the information um, if you can't find your own state. The next thing is I would look for a, um, depending on where you live, a, you know, if you want to, there are all kinds of homeschool groups. Some of them um, are black only, black focused, and some are not. And so you make that decision for yourself and you can find people in your community who are homeschooling and you can link up to them and see if you can find, you know, some ideas. The other thing is if you go on Facebook or some other social, any other social media and type in black homeschooling, you will be surprised at the number of groups that come up. There are 
hundreds of them. Um, we created one. My my co-founder, Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman, and I created one on Facebook, and it's called um, again Black Family Home educators and scholars. Okay. Um, and so we do a teach-in every year. Those videos are available to you if you once you join. Um, and it doesn't cost anything to click the Facebook group and join. We have a, a, you know, you can see the videos. We have a YouTube channel. We have podcasts. Um, and they talk about these topics, how to get started. You, we, we also have a mentoring feature. So if you want someone to help you get started. Um, we have people that will, that have signed up to serve as mentors. Um, and if you have the resources, you can hire someone. There are black men and women who have um, set up their own consulting businesses and they will help walk you through how to get started. Um, so last things to think about, what is the mission of your homeschool school or, you know, that you, if I, your family school that you're creating. Mm-hmm. What would be a good mission statement? You want to write yeah, that out. What are the purposes? What are the goals? What are the expectations? What's the vision? When your children are home educated and, and you're all done, what is the hope that you want your child to be? That's your vision statement. So a mission, mission statement, a vision statement, and purpose. Those are really important pieces to consider. That's great. Um, and uh, yeah, reach out. You don't. You're not. You don't have to be alone to yeah, do it. That's so good. The commu- the communal aspect is so important. You need support. We all need support. Yes. Um. We all need community, and we all need that fellowship, right? And so, um, it's mm-hmm. so important. Um. You know, Dr. Cheryl, can you talk to our sisters about how they can follow your work? Where can they buy? You know, um, your <laughs> book. Um. This is your time to talk to them and how they can follow you and yeah, keep up with what you're doing. <laughs> I think the um. Let me see. There's two things. One is the Black Family Home Educator and Scholars Group. If you join it, um, we have a we also have a um, academic um, book series with um, Information Age Publishing. And we have a our first book is coming out sometime this fall. Um, We're waiting for the date. It should be coming soon. But um, it is an edited book. Many home educators, uh, black home educators, homeschool leaders of groups around the country got together to contribute chapters to the book. And it's titled um, Homeschooling Black Children in the U.S., Theory, Practice, and Popular Culture. So that's coming out. And we're going to drop the date in the uh, the Facebook group. So that's the best okay. way mm-hmm. to follow me. Um, the other thing is October. I got another Spencer grant to do a research conference and there's only 13 people <laughs> that um that I know of that are doing this work or want to do this work as a researcher, you know, as an academic and many of those are people at institutions around the country who I am serving on their dissertation committees because there's nobody else. So I'm really trying to find people who want to do a PhD in black homeschooling Um, and they can come to UGA. We have all kinds of ways to support you, but you have me. (laughs) Um, I think the main requirement would be that you've, um, you have an undergraduate and a master's 
I don't, I'm not even sure if that master's is required. You might just need an undergraduate. But, um, you know, talk to me about how to, if you want to come and do that work. But the conference is in October, and you can email me at cfields mm-hmm. at uga.edu if you're interested in attending, because it's by invitation, invitation only. Okay. Yeah, I didn't want everybody. I just really want anyone, like people who are interested in black homeschooling research. So yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for coming to the table, Dr. Cheryl Field Smith. I know um, that, gosh, I've learned so much and I'm sure (laughs) that the sisters at the table have also learned so much. So thank you so very much. And of course, to our sisters, we want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode. We gonna learn today, Black Homeschooling Movement with Dr. Cheryl Field Smith. And y'all know, just in case you don't know, I'm going to remind you again, y'all, Truth Table has a Black Women's Facebook Discipleship Group. So go to our Facebook page, like Truth Table, and join our Facebook page if you are a Black woman and bring your homegirls too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table, or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Kemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.